this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. Friday is what? It's next Friday, April Fool's Day. Next Friday is April Fool's Day. How about that? I know that because I already copy and pasted my calendar for next week into my Outlook. Not Outlook, but into my Microsoft OneNote notebook. That's indispensable to my life. So good morning to you. Will, Tim, and Jeff will join me here in a few minutes. We'll check the news very quickly. President of the United States in Poland today. Working his magic, which, again, I'm not a Joe Biden hater, but absolutely terrifying when that dude goes off script. So, um, anyway, good morning on this Friday. The, um, what's going on? Took my daughters to the airport last night. They're headed east. To see their nephew, who they've never seen before. Yeah, number one son. And the wife of number one son had a second son. And so the two daughters of mine on their way to see their brand new nephew. And then uh, we'll hang out with brother number two for a couple days in the D.C. area before they head south to Quantico. Yeah. And they're Marine girls, man. They're no strangers to Quantico either. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. So anyway. Yeah, LAX. Smooth sailing all the way up there. Get there. Takes 25 minutes to go two miles. What the hell, man? So, um, yeah. But such is life, right? And uh, they both had a nice flight, arrived safely this morning. So there you have it, the girls in the D.C. area. And then um, that going on in my life. And then other than that, 
um, after all the traveling I did in, in February and the first part of March, my life's settling back down again. And uh, I think I'm going to be able to start book writing again. And I'm excited to do that. Somebody asked me earlier this morning of all the things that I do and I'm involved in relative to uh, post-traumatic winning. Um, what's what's the coolest thing? And the, there's two, I think, for me, two really cool, well, maybe three, now that I think about it. The coolest moment by far is to watch the transformation of somebody who's lived virtually their entire life in what I call the valley of the shadow of death. And that's normally dictated by life events, events that they that they they don't control. And when you see somebody by virtue of telling them the truth, and then so the question becomes, so Mac, who is post-traumatic winning for? If you don't have a serious mental illness, post-traumatic winning is for you. 98% of the military, 95.5% of the population. That's who post-traumatic winning is for. And um, so when you see somebody get their life changed because of it, probably the coolest thing that, that I see on a regular basis. Um, other cool things, and it's that, that progression you know, people that have gone to seek help and whatnot, when all of a sudden they look at you and say, holy shit, man, who are you? My response always is, I'm Batman. Um, which I saw in the Michael Keaton version, hi. What's he say? Hi, I'm Batman. That. Um, <laughs> so I say that and they laugh. Um, but again, when you tell people the truth, you challenge them. Um, to be better and you show them that path yeah they'll do it I think this is the movie hold on I'm Batman don't kill me don't kill me man don't kill me don't kill me do me a favor I want you to tell all your friends about me what are you I'm Batman. <laughs> That's it. Except you didn't hear it good because that was playing through something different. Um, I have to play it through... What the hell? Okay, give me one second so I can play it for you. Yeah, but it's Michael Keaton in an alleyway and he grabs some punk who's doing something that he's not supposed to do and the guy starts screaming leave me alone leave me alone who are you and michael keaton says here i think this is it i think don't kill me don't kill me man i'm not going to kill you i want you to do me a favor i want you to tell all your friends about me what are you i'm batman yeah i'm batman so anyway, um, there's also another really cool point when somebody, uh, you see the light go on. They haven't like gone where they're going to go, but you see the light. You see them see it, and that's a really cool point. And I think that's just 
that happens in education. Um, teachers see it all the time. I think that's the addicting thing about being a teacher. So, um, yeah, somebody asked me that this morning. What's the coolest part of what you do? The coolest part is the end state. When you see somebody truly get their life changed and, um, and see this path that I talk about and um, begin to walk it and then begin to change the lives of other people. And they look at you with tears in their eyes and say, were it not for you, this, none of this, I wouldn't be what I am today. Thank you. And so, so yeah, teaching that life skill is, uh, but, um, watching that, um, watching that never gets old. And, uh, I've met some people that are straight up miracles on this planet. They have no business being where they are or what they're doing. And, uh, and, and I, I try to stay in touch with them as best I can. And, um, I don't know that I've ever talked about one of them and, and, um, a very, very successful person, woman, um, who was literally coached by her mother to gratify her stepfather sexually, uh, starting at the age of seven. And um, she should be anything but what she is today, which is very, very, very successful person. She should be dead. She should be uh, a drug addict. Um, she would tell you she should be a crack whore with 10 kids. And she's anything but that. And you watch that and you hear the stories and then you get to know them a little bit and you hear, you, you're allowed to hear more of the story. And then you see the transformation of their life. Quote, I see the world in technicolor now, and I've never seen it like that before. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know that, I mean, how do you, how do you even put that, watching that into, um, how, do you, how do you put watching that into any kind of context or words? I don't know that you can, but that, yeah, that's the coolest part of, and being able to see that on a regular uh on a regular basis is uh, inspirational and humbling at the same time. So so anyway, um, United States Marine Corps Band makes this morning official. I gotta, I hope it plays because I just messed with my audio. One never quite knows what happens after that. So I'm sorry. It's Friday, so Whitney Houston sings the national anthem. Good morning to you.
and uh, dedicated to the soldiers of the Ukraine, um, who uh, I think have inspired a lot of people around the world, um, people on Taiwan, um, people that live in free democracies about what their obligation is to defend freedom and to be to be weak invites conflict. And so hopefully the inspiration that the Ukrainian military has provided uh, will animate uh, nations around the world to do the right thing, to be strong, and be strong in the face of totalitarian, right, shit. So well done. And as I always say, happy hunting. betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think and you don't say it honestly and bluntly what keeps you awake at night nothing i keep other people awake at night for this campus had prepared him well <clears throat> i'm very confident that thank you very much <clears throat> if this was vodka it'd be a lot better speech <clears throat> wait for it wait for it Wait for it. Wait for it. But I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. See, young folks, you ignore what I just said. That is so fucking good. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And so our major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't We don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult, challenging conditions and odds and win. You gotta win. Alright, time for us to check the weather. And then I'm gonna do a very brief news thing and then you'll hear the Mensa Brothers, so on a Friday. Yeah. Uh, currently In Quantico, partly sunny and 57. Marine Corps Base, Cherry Point, home of the 2nd Marine Air Wing. Partly sunny and 63. 29 Palms, home of RCT-7. 
Regimental Combat Team 7. Sunny in 66, Kent Pendleton. Home of the mighty 5th Marine Regiment. Yeah. Foggy in 57. Camp Smith in Hawaii, Dark Cloud in 68. Okinawa, Raining, Dark in 72. On the northern coast of Australia, in the Northern Territories, Dark Cloud in 82 is Darwin. In Kiev, that would be Ukraine. Partly sunny and 49 degrees. Currently at the home of All Marine Radio, the Coast of Mesa, Newport Beach area of Southern California. It is foggy in 56, a dense fog advisory currently in effect. So that is a look at uh, that is a look at your weather. So, um, quick look at news headlines, uh, top story in stars and stripes today gives you some barometer of what uh, the military world is talking about. Um, Marines barred from travel to Ukraine and two neighboring countries. Marines are now barred from traveling to Ukraine and two neighboring countries while those going on official or personal travel in Europe must now get prior clearance for their trip, the service said. Hmm, interesting. Next headline. Air Force faces an uphill climb to hit recruiting targets. Major General Ed Thomas said during the stop at U.S. military base in Stuttgart, Germany. Thomas, who's in Europe to meet with recruiters and other military officials at bases in Germany, Italy, and the United Kingdom, said the push is now to make up lost ground. So the question is, what's changed and is, is the change forever? President Biden to visit Poland. Subheadline, a complex ally on the Ukraine's doorstep. So all that in the news this morning. Uh, Top story in the Wall Street Journal is Biden's Poland visit to underline backing for Ukraine. Meeting comes as 2 million Ukrainian refugees have crossed the border into that NATO nation. Subheadlines, Ukrainian refugees find easier path to enter the U.S. at the Mexican border. You think? Yeah. Go through your shit, get given a court date, come right in. If you come via the NATO route, you'll get stuck in a refugee camp here in the United States for months. Yeah. So figure it out. Um, next headline, sanctions unplugged Russian steel giant from the Western economies. That's not good, I'm thinking. Next headline, U.S. to boost gas deliveries to Europe amid scramble for new supplies. So uh, those are news headlines this morning. Top headline in the New York Times is Biden visits Poland as NATO bolsters its defense. You heard the word Eastern Front used for the first time 
in a long time yesterday. So President Biden meeting with soldiers and refugees near the Ukrainian border. Uh, other story, uh, President Biden and the European Union announced a plan to help wean the European Union off Russian fuel. Here's another headline. Germany is moving to quickly cut off Russian energy. Quote, every supply contract that is terminated hurts Putin, an official said. There's an article about the Ukraine's announcement of a counteroffensive showed that it is trying to seize momentum against a stronger foe. Headlines in the Washington Post. Stand by. Number one, Biden lands in Poland will meet troops on NATO's eastern flank. Biden EU announced plan to reduce European Europe's reliance on Russian fossil fuels. Top story in Marine Corps Times this morning is... Back to ships. Marines need the ships to fight. Will they get them? I thought we gave up a bunch of stuff to get the ships. Um, new uniform regulations out. You can wear black socks. You can wear different nail polish. Yeah. All of that. So exciting stuff. And top five stories in early bird today on our way to the Mensa Brothers. Number one. What veterans and service members need to know about military discharge upgrades. Yep. Number two, senators call for increased funding for poorly resourced U.S. Southern Command. Third headline, border missions should be a homeland security job, says the head of Northern Command. Next headline is one we already mentioned. Back to ships. Marines need ships to fight. Will they get them? Next headline is a domestic violence headline. Special Forces Sergeant Major gets one year and is busted in rank for domestic violence. Overseas operational headlines. Ukraine urges halt to Russia's assault as Biden heads to Poland. Russia-Ukraine live headlines from Al Jazeera. An appalled G7 backs war crimes probe and Ukraine continues its counteroffensive. Next headline, U.S. Army veteran and wife rescued from Ukraine. Next headline, the U.S. and NATO disagree over an estimate of 40,000 Russian casualties in Ukraine. Ramstein, where I just was, U.S. military community group gives shelter to dozens of displaced Ukrainians. The United States will accept 100,000 Ukrainian refugees. I'm of the mind that if you have the means, get to Mexico. It's easier. Uh, Blinken will visit Israel and the West Bank, Morocco, and Algeria. Right? And then Russian mercenary group aims to kill Zelensky, according to the United Kingdom. So all that 
part of the news this morning. And so without further ado, joining me right now are my friends, the Mensa Brothers. On this Friday, joining me are the Mensa Brothers um, in Southern California, Jeff Kenny. Jeff, how are you? Good, thanks, Max. Why, wait a minute, why would you go to Southern California on Thursday? For one, Why didn't you go on Sunday? Because I couldn't stand being with my family anymore. Uh, that's, you I know what? There you go. No two no, words were members spoken. Yeah. Hopefully, none of them will be listening. No, the uh, I I, uh, I did this retirement thing, and then I had the leftover guys couldn't get flights out till uh, the middle of the week, so I stayed till all of them were gone. Got it. Got it. All right. And from McAllen, Texas, uh, looking freshly scrubbed in a new T-shirt. I haven't seen Tim Lynch. Tim, how are you? I, I'm doing just great. Tickled pink that my new T-shirt was recognized. I only get one a year, and this is this year's T-shirt right here. What there is you it? Go. What's that, uh, some kind of Spartacus emblem on your left breast? No, it's from, <laughs> no, it's from, uh, what the heck is the name of this of this company? It's a, it's a marine-run uh, uh, company that makes coffee and T-shirts and stuff like that, um, former, run by former Marines, and I am, for whatever reason, completely blanking out on the name of this damn thing but that's what it is black rifle this coffee one of, no 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 it's not black rifle hold on let me look at the patch hold on a second java java joe's bones bones warrior savage tacticians that was my the next savage guess. tacticians that yes. was my next guess savage tacticians yeah. right uh-huh I'm yeah, i had to go back and look in the back of my monitor because i put a sticker from them back there so it was <laughs> Yeah. How's everything in McAllen? How's the uh, how's the kettle situation? Um, they're going to be out this afternoon. I suspect. I thought they were heading north, but they're lingering about. It's beautiful out here right now. It's 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 in the low sixties. Not a cloud in the sky. We'll get up into the upper seventies today. This is like being in Southern California with without the bullshit and with a lot more birds. So it's this is the place to be in the, in the continental U.S in my humble opinion, but it's gorgeous out here right Wait, now. You just said McAllen, Texas is the place to be in the continental U.S.? On a day like today, yes. Just strictly on the weather, just because of weather and and a variety of things you can do down here in the valley. You can watch in the R- Ukrainian in the, migrants coming in, across. In you can R- watch Russian migrants in being the R- denied. In the RGV? <laughs> yeah, in the valley. In, in the, the cool kids call it the valley. RGV is a little, it just doesn't flow. It's the valley, bro. Yeah, but at any rate, things are just delightful down here. It's a beautiful day. So let me ask, and and everybody else can chime in too. You saying that is that a cry for help? Do you think? Do you think you need to get to the VA this morning, or not that that would help? Not that that would help, mind you. But do you think is that a cry for actual cry for help? You grew up in Annapolis, and you're saying in the continental United States, the place to be is McAllen, Texas. Well, as I've I've become older, I've tried to pattern myself on the wisdom of my elders, and and. The wisdom of E.B. Sledge, who's the coolest cat. Why as far does Sledge as, have to go under the bus with you? I don't think you're dragging it's the birds. It's the birds. It's the birds. Because I can sit here and watch dozens of different species of birds, and you can't do that anywhere else. And this weather's beautiful. And right now, it's just, uh, and I'm happy to be here. I don't. I, what I'm, is? I'm, I'm more connected to nature here, Mac. I think you're jealous. 
I, I know that California is sterile. You know, all you see is seagulls and cracker and blackbirds and stuff. But I'm just more connected, so I'm happier and more attuned well, let me, to that natural let environment. Me ask, let me ask you a technical question. What is sweater? Was that a mispronunciation it's, or was that like a is that a new term that I haven't understood? No, no, no. It's it, it was, a, you know, in the thousands of hours of broadcast hours I have on this particular podcast, brother, I'm going to I'm going to screw up every once in a while. As, as and that an, was a minor screw up. As an the broadcasting professional ignores that stuff normally. <laughs> you know, that's what a professional would do. But yeah. I've never claimed to be a professional. And so you're not going to get that from me. My experience, my introduction with that and, and also why you should control your own mic is this. One of the first days I ever did radio, um, I was substituting on an FM morning show, if you can believe that, right? I could do that. Like, do you need me what to do what? Just fucking talk about current events and shit? Fuck yeah, I'll do that. So we're coming out of a commercial to a remote at a furniture store, and it's like 6.30 in the morning. And so I don't know shit about radio, so I'm sitting in a chair in the studio, and the dude controlling the mics is at the board. And I stretch. I don't know. He's flipped my mic open. And we're going to Scott Swigman at Someplace Furniture Store in East Grand Forks, Minnesota. And I say, and I hear it come through my headset, Jesus Christ, I'm tired. Right? <laughs> <laughs> now, the appropriate thing to do live on the radio when that goes out is to just act like it never happened. Right? Oh, no. What do you think Scott Swigman does? What was that? <laughs> Tim Hennessy. That was Max stretching. And I and so what do I default, default to? Admit that nothing, deny everything, make counter accusations, right? What? what? Right. I didn't say anything. <laughs> exactly. And then Swigman, much to his credit, he says, well, Right here in East Grand Forks, Minnesota this morning. And we're having a big furniture sale. I, th I thought, thank God, man. Thank God. So, yeah. I And let me tell you, very important that you control your own microphone. Um, especially when you're a colorful human being um, like the three of us tend to, the four of us tend to be. Speaking of the fourth member of this, um, our resident gambling addict, uh, Will Costantini. And so, Will, how is your addiction? How is your luck? And how are things oh. in the, the greater central Midwest? Luck has not been there. Not a good week. Not a good, like, month and change, actually. So, as uh, I think I told you the Jacoby rule yes. earlier. Yes. Hopefully yeah. your luck yeah. changes before your bank account runs out. So where are yeah. you in Your luck that? will change but, if your money doesn't <laughs> run out. So, But... Now you would, you're self-proclaimed extremely wealthy. Um, Am I? Yeah, I think so. Oh, okay. Did, you, right. did you see Tim just put his hand over his mouth? What? Well, <laughs> who knew? <laughs> I predicted yeah, I, this when we were lieutenants. <laughs> I just wanted to point out that amongst all the lies that you hear on All Marine Radio today, there were two stone truths told. You're extremely wealthy. Truth no, truth number one, oh. Max saying, I don't know shit about radio. <laughs> that is true. And truth and truth number two, Jeff saying that he left Las Vegas because he couldn't stand his family anymore. <laughs> I mean, there you go. Two stone truths. Hey, Jeff, 
Jeffrey. Yeah. That's me yeah. summoning Jeff's better angels right there. That's <laughs> just so everybody knows. I like to call him Jeffrey. Um, yes. Can you give like a three minute version of your like event at the airport? Yes. Okay. Um, there was a glitch with my, my, uh, my boarding pass, which I usually get on my phone. And it said, see the ticket agent. This is before I even went to the airport. So I went early to the airport in order to deal with the ticket agent, which I thought would be a long, involved, and very annoying sequence of events. But it wasn't. It fixed me up quick, but I was there early with two and a half hours to kill. So I, I go to the bar, naturally. If I only had two and a half minutes to kill, I would go to the bar. But because I had that much time, I go to the bar, and I'm having a drink, and this ranger is there, and he is fucking drunk, and he's got a huge rucksack. And uh, But I took his rucksack and helped him get it checked in because there's no way it would be check on luggage so he could fly. And then uh, he came back and I had to go. I helped him again. And uh, But now I'm late. I'm getting late. So in the hullabaloo of trying to get out of there and pay my bill, I've lost my debit card, damn it. And, uh, and which, now if you lose your phone and your debit card, you are screwed in our society. Yeah, you're, you know? com you're combat. And, uh, you're combat ineffective. You might as well be a. You might as well be a homeless dude. You know, so I'm pissed off. Pissed off, and uh, I'm on the airplane. I'm reading one of the comments from one of our uh, readers, and he said something like, "Good job of keeping Jeff in the box, or keeping a lid on Jeff, or something like that." I've had a few too, and I've been running, <laughs> exercise, booze, and annoyance. And then that devastating feeling when you're missing your missing your debit card. That means I got to call my wife, take a ton of shit, which is the reason I was leaving anyway. And uh, actually, that's not the reason I was leaving. But anyway, but it was it was a good happenstance that I, I I left then. And I and so I see this thing by this guy. I'm like, mm, God damn it! I also had lost my reading glasses, so I can't read my phone unless I have it propped in my toes. That far away from my almost, so I'm. I got the phone at arms like I'm going. You fucking, <laughs> fuck you. You know I've lost my fucking debit card. You know I lost my glasses. And then I went to sleep and woke up 40 minutes later because that's that's only the, that's how long the flight is from Vegas to Orange County. 40 minutes. And and, and I, Jeff is beating. He's he's electronically beating the shit out of me to give me the to give him yeah. the physical address of the guy who sent the email so he can go kick his, so he can go kick his ass. Well, no, I said send him my email address and I'm like then I'm thinking I'm looking you know I'm thinking I, I know a guy by this name and he was a good dude <laughs> and it, and he knows me good enough where it's totally within the realm of possibility he would say keep good job of keeping a lid on Jeff, you know. So I just I just grumbled quietly. You know, I can't. I thought I'm disgruntled right now, disgruntled. And when I was at this uh, at this retirement ceremony, there's a general officer who gave a speech, and he, he went. He's one of these guys who talked about the the origin of the word retire. It's like one one half of it is in Latin, the other half is in Greek or whatever. And I'm thinking, I wonder what the word disgruntled comes from? Because I'm just does that mean I'm pissed off, annoyed, and irritated? Does that mean gruntled is you're happy or what? And if you're disgruntled, you're not? Or is it, I just don't know. So, I, like I said, I had another drink and went to sleep. Oh. Now I'm good, though. <laughs> Hold on. I'm good now. Origin right. of the word disgruntled. Now I'm interested. Okay. And you're just the guy to figure it out. 
You should have hey, been a major hey, general, hey, man. Hey, hey, look, don't. <laughs> you should have been a lieutenant general. <laughs> don't fuck with me, okay? Um, mid 17th century from Dis as an intensifier, dialect gruntle, utter little grunts from grunt. <laughs> well, it fits. Does, I'm an infantry guy. Does right? that make sense? No. Disgrunt. No. Um, <laughs> the best part of it is he's now he's he's lost his glasses, he's lost his debit card, he's helped a ranger, and he's thoroughly pissed off, and he's got his he's got his phone in his toes trying to read. <laughs> somebody, that's, that was exaggerated about that. Somebody, my arms are only my arms are. This, I got short fucking arms and little hands like a fucking like a kangaroo man. So. I had to hold it up. I almost had to have my the guy sitting next to me hold my phone up for him. <laughs> hey, hey, buddy, hold this for a second. Let me take a step back. And, yeah, right. and then he's like getting, oh, man, anyway. All right, um, thoughts. I don't know if you had people react uh, to you, but I did um, about the, uh, the thing we did on Wednesday about the uh, open intramural fight uh, between uh, general officers and the Commandant of the Marine Corps. Um, Jeff, did you have anybody react to it for the thoughts about that before we talk about other stuff? Yeah. Um, uh, Ken Kirkaby, who you we referenced, you know, for some, he talked about it. Uh, he didn't, he, he was, uh, he loved to hear stories about, uh, General Van Riper and General Sheehan, especially the one about Van, the one that Van Riper told us at the, uh, the, uh, fireside chat at the weapons student live fire about when they ran out of, uh, the air, the air ran out of, uh, you know, ordnance. Right. And then uh, also the stuff about the commandants, you know, the uh, and the whole, uh, and then the current generals, you know, weighing in and everything. He didn't. Uh, I tell you, uh, he was he was in for the first year of uh, Wilson, but he didn't remember much about it, you know. But he did because he followed events in the Marine Corps, knew a lot about General Barrow and General Gray. Any kind of all that stuff we know about because we. We were like junior officers when guys like Sheehan and Van Riper were still colonels, you know. So we, I think all of us served under those guys in one way or another in our early part of our officer career, you know. So, uh, and the, and then talking about guys like, uh, well, like the later commandants, because he really doesn't know them, you know, or, or know of them that much. He was interested in that. What did you hear? I, um... My first personal interaction with General Van Riper was he came out um, when he was the president of Marine Corps University. Is that what he was when he was a one star in Quantico? Yeah. yeah. And so I get yeah. this call. We're doing company defense as part of one of the wars. <clears throat> and it was supposed to be like me, Tim, and, you know, Will AIing and. Tim gets in a car accident and Will just calls in sick for work because that's what he does. And so it's me by myself with a company of lieutenants. Hey, go fuck yourself. <laughs> it's me. Um, and so they come out They come out of whatever they were doing, a movement to contact, and I'm putting it. So you're starting to put in a, a, a defense, right? And I get this phone call from like, whoever's running the problem, Duffy or Larry Azell or somebody, one of the major players, right? One of the, one of the, um, 
one of the main efforts of tactics back then. But anyway, um, the A, the A team, the A team, as opposed to <laughs> the, B, the, B the B team. team. Um, <laughs> the um, so I get this phone call. Hey, General Van Riper's on his way to your pause. And I stare at the handset like, what the fuck do I do with this? He's gonna fucking kill me, right? So I'm. He, I see. I think I'm not sure if it was a Jeep or Humvee pull up. And I want to say it was a Jeep, but I'm not sure. Had to be a Humvee. So anyway, he gets out, right, in his, you know, rain parka. Uh, it's uh, it's early spring. The snow is gone. It's soaking wet. The lieutenants are miserable, right? And we're trying to lay. And, you know, so you lay in the defense. The machine guns have to go in first. And then everybody's moving left and right as the machine guns get adjusted. And everybody's fucking bitching and moaning like, what the fuck? So... He comes up to me. I see him. I greet him. He goes, Mac, what are we doing here? I said, sir, we're, we're setting in the machine gun so we can set in the, the, the company defense. He said, what, what can I do to help? I said, sir, I'm the only one out here for the company right now because Will called in sick and Tim got in a car accident. And, uh, <laughs> um, you know, the, the key thing about a lie is if you repeat it often enough, it becomes truth. So, um, <laughs> so and the, we were talking about authors before we came on, and some of them are witness to that fact. But anyway, regardless of Will and Tim, I said, if you start at that end, sir, um, um, I'll, I'll go to this end, and, you know, and I'll meet you in the middle. Got it. And, I, and I'm thinking, he's going to fucking kill me when we get done with this. So we work our way to the middle. He and I wind up standing there talking. And he looks at me and he says, is this the average state of a basic school company at this point? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, he looked at me and he said, interesting. Because it was, right, all the MOSs at that point, you're at the basic school. And they would have been, you know, what, within a month or two of graduation. <clears throat> and the various states of, you know, shitheadedness on display as he walks up and uh but i remember being very scared for my career um and hating both tim and will for not showing up that day because now i was going to pay the brunt for their amateurishness so anyway uh that was my first interaction with him after i because i'd never served in the second marine division but i i knew of the legend this guy's crazy sandbags in your uh left uh, pocket of your uh, Alice pack and if he stops you and they're not in there he's going to have somebody's ass right and all the things that you know the the the, the running lights and all the stories you heard about mm -hmm. and then hey, uh, you know the legend began in 4th Marines before yeah, in, in the regimental in, in headquarters when he was in Okinawa yeah. right the regimental headquarters was halfway up the hill and all the battalions were at the bottom of the hill and basically, rifle companies would be marching to go out the gate to go into CTA, and he'd stop them on the street. And if they didn't have everything per the regimental SOP, you know, K-bar two inches from your, he'd turn the whole company around and send it back to the barracks. So when I got to Schwab in uh, 87, he had just moved up to be the chief of staff. But those permutations still resonated. Uh there at Schwab, and uh, and he's, funny the first time I he's chief of staff when Zinni's ninth Marines, right? Because that's Zinni tells the story yeah. 
that Ben Ben Riper looks at him and says, Zinni, look, you can have all the great ideas you want about maneuver warfare, but we're actually going to do it here in the third Marine division. That's, that's that time, right? Yeah. Yeah. First time I met him, I had a squad that won the, uh, right. Uh, super squad competition out there. And so we had a banquet at, uh, at Hanson and, uh, he showed up and my battalion commander, uh, Dave Bice, came up. The whole battalion was down in the Philippines. And uh, so we had this banquet. We announced the winners. You know, we're the big winners. General Van Riper, congrat- or then Colonel Van Riper congratulates everyone. And uh, my guys decide they're going to stay at Hanson overnight so they can go out into Kinville. And I'm thinking <laughs> this is going to be the shortest celebration in the history of celebrating anything because uh we're all gonna get uh, incarcerated tomorrow and i did the smart thing and went back to schwab so i had plausible deniability um yeah but then the next time i saw him i was at tbs i was at the ei company when he hosted one of his reunions for mike 37 we did a static display up the armory and and again i lived in great fear of the guy as a second lieutenant and uh uh, I went up to the static display thinking he was going oh, to be yeah. measuring, you know, the distance between ammo pouches and K-bars. And he was right. the, he was the senior, you know, gray hair mentor leader uh, talking to the, to the veterans, but also to all the Marines up there, to me, right. to everyone. And, and I, I sort of, I think I, I began to reflect a little bit differently about the experience in Okinawa right. um, and get a little perspective on well, it. So. Well, put, Will put me in charge of that stack this morning. Mostly my guys. I was a weapons platoon commander. And uh, he that's exactly right. I was like scared shitless too, man, because I heard his reputation. Hey. And also, also, just one last, one little aside. Uh, Will the reason Will got that, and the reason his career continued to be a success, is because squad leader for that Okinawa thing was my assistant team leader in first recon battalion, and he learned everything from me. So, you're welcome, Will. What the fuck? <laughs> so, and so did uh, Jeff? Have you ever explained the uh, field expedient when you run out of MRE shit paper? Well, that is embarrassing because it wasn't that we ran out of it. It's just that we had been in Camp Pendleton for the last three months. It hadn't rained. And the only thing we had waterproof was our comm gear. And I was up there on the Roblar Road area with this guy, Peterson, and it rained on us for two fucking days, like like monsoon-type rain. And uh, I wiped my ass with a rock. A very Afghan thing. Don't do it. Don't ever do that. It seemed like, hey, this rock is like wedge shaped. Should get everything out of there. It's horrid. And I, it took me a week to recover from that. We, and there was no alcohol involved in this. No, there's nothing but fucking carrying a million pound pack and misery is all it was. Wow, that sounds like a story that needs to have alcohol involved in it, Timothy. You were going to say something? Well, n- no, that, I, I remember Van Riper from that uh, IOC evolution. Remember when I think it was Prince Andrew came and during the weekend fex, we had to stop what we were doing 
and and do some kind of bullshit uh, uh, ambush followed by a spy rig es- extract. Do you all remember that? No, I, was good. I think Paul Paul was running the running the the, the Paul Kenny was running the problem, yeah. but I knew something was wrong when I was heading out because I was AI in the leg. I was heading out and there was these colonels picking up trash on the side of MCB one full bird colonels and uh, including including uh, the lieutenant colonel from. Uh, oh, shit. The, the guy that was at tactics at the time. He's he's lives out here in Harlingen now. And and I and it turned out that, you know, the general had told him to get that place cleaned up. The prince was coming and it wasn't clean. So on Saturday morning, they had colonels out there picking up trash on the side of the road. And um, (laughs) and and the only thing I remember from that that evolution was when he showed up with the prince, I think I had to I had to basically go up and report and tell him what the evolution was and what we were doing. And for some mysterious reason, I cut my salute short before he had returned the salute. And he looked at me, I think, in the exact same way he was looking at those North Vietnamese on top of that trench line after the fast movers had run in there. And he had a bayonet because I thought he was going to kill me. And I was I, I was scared just from the way he looked at me. But uh, at any rate, I was able to, to vanish into the background and we pulled off our evolution and left. But at, and I remember when Mac ran that interview, I told him I was such an asshole because I would have absolutely resisted standardizing the appearance of gear. I thought that's what the Army did because I remember from 29 Palms once doing this thing with the Army and the Army guys all looked identical with their with their stupid little first aid kits and their two canteens and their and the Marine Lieutenant Colonels and Colonels were getting up and they had like Ranger rolls in the in, in the back of uh, of their the patrol vest. I mean nobody's. Nobody's deuce gear looked the same. It was all customized. And I thought that was the way to go. And I was wrong. I was wrong as shit. And I uh, I was embarrassed after listening to him at how much I had dismissed him as being just some kind of a weird old crank, uh, um, a martinet concerned about stuff that wasn't important because he was concerned about stuff that was vitally important. I just didn't know that because I wasn't experienced enough to figure it out. Yeah, but I, that was I'll all. be critical of him. Part of it was the way he he went about it yeah 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 exactly i I wish we would we would have another crack at that because i i didn't understand it either but uh, let me just tell you the the feedback the feedback i i got uh a thank you for very much for talking about this b absolutely stunning it was I, i i had grant newsham on yesterday and i mean he didn't listen to our discussion he pinged on just about every item that we talked about uh, he pinged on the war gaming thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's, you know, the irony of what the commandant says about, hey, you know, be careful with the war games, but forces on 2030. Um, he also pinged on on something near the end of it um, where we're ready for any mission across the board. You know, I mean, how can that be when you've divested mm-hmm. yourself of, of so much? Um, so um, Grant Grant's comments were, and he pays attention. He's paid attention to the force design. He's paid attention because, you know, particularly in 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 the three MEF AO out there in the Western Pacific, right? Not everything is the South China Sea, right? right. Not, not every. I mean, the South China Sea is going to be different from the defense of Taiwan. That is vastly different from the the defense and combat on the Korean Peninsula. And so, mm-hmm. um, even inside three MEF, uh, you're talking about vastly different. Um, you know, fighting styles that are going to be required. And so uh, so that was, thank you for talking about it, stunned that this is happening in public, which 
I guess, gets us to the point of you ought to take the alumni seriously and you ought to listen to their counsel because something is really wrong that's not gone on behind the scenes, something that would normally go behind the scenes. And I think we'll articulate it with uh, General Amos's, um, you know, courting of the alumni. And, and again, um, the grand departure of this is not being able to operate across the range of military operations, not being the force in readiness, not being the closed with force. And I think right. you're seeing great pushback to that. That, And I think their point is, hey, we can we can do the South China Sea as we've absorbed missions and regions throughout our history. We don't need, right, we don't need to exclude all this other stuff by virtue of, of the way we equip ourselves and man ourselves. We don't need to exclude all these other roles from our ability, which only limits us, which means we're going to get pigeonholed, which means we're going to get defunded, which means the Army's going to, you know, that whole argument that we've heard for since we joined yeah. the Marine Corps. So, so anyway, I, I, I was very, I was, uh, I, I shouldn't say I was surprised because I'm not, because there is tremendous in, interest in this discussion. And this discussion largely has not taken place in public. And that was one of the other points. Why haven't I seen this? And then a third point I would say that would become, or I don't know if it's a third point, but a third point I would make was that General Berger's defense of that in the Ignatius piece is not very substantial. He doesn't give you enough to hang your hat on if you want to believe in Force Design 2030. Okay, saying that we're capable across the range of military operations, saying that we're a stand-in force, right, does not, um, help us understand how the fuck does a stand-in force in its limited numbers of ships and whatnot avoid the Chinese fishing fleet uh, that is, is part of the Chinese Navy, avoid Chinese um, seaborne drones to survive in, right, the stand-in, as a stand-in force, right? So there, I mean, so anyway, that was the other thing that, that was made to me on a repeated basis, so... Um, Will, Tim, any reaction via you? No, I, I didn't hear any any reaction from that. But I I, uh, I listened to it again yesterday, and I got to tell you something. That was a good discussion. That was a good discussion. the The one thing the the one thing that going back to that close with and destroy thing, I was I was thinking listening to us of my last text, which I, I you know, I, I ran uh, I ran as a company commander after being the S3 and after being at Odyssey. So I had a good text. As a matter of fact, I can't even talk about it. You'd have to ask for Ness. It was that good. But as a captain company commander at the end of that thing, when I had when I was the main effort, given the RDFOs, given the given a fact team, given the 81 FOs and whatnot, and had, I don't know, four, five, six sorties stacked on top of me, ready to just unleash. As a captain, we're the only organization in the history of the world that can do that. We're the only ones. There's no, uh, Army can't do it. No other military uh, organization in the world would have a company commander controlling that much assets and he's fighting them up front. But we can't do that anymore either. Now, now it's that is a skill which is gone because they don't how if you're not training to close with and destroy, what the hell are you doing? I don't know. But they can't do that anymore. And that's a that's a goddamn shame. You're sharpening your FO skills. 
Yeah. Oh, oh, you got to integrate him because I had so much air because the XO was going to run the, the deep battle, but he wasn't up on that shit, so he fucked it all up. And that air just kept on stacking up, and I was I was ready to go ballistic, man. I was It was one of the happiest times of my life. Furness was in tears laughing at me because I was making such a big deal about all this stuff. But you can't do that anymore. Um, and I think that that is a... I think that's going to come to bite us in the ass in a major way because we were the only ones that could ever do that. And that's, I just wanted to stress that point. I, I, it's so it's distressing to think about. Excuse me. <clears throat> Will, any feedback? Uh, you know, I actually had a conversation with someone in, uh, you know, in parallel with force design, uh, divesting some of the heavier assets, shifting the Pacific. You know, it was a pretty big shift within the joint staff. Uh, when General Dunford was a chairman and General McKenzie was the director, he had two Marines and pretty key billets that controlled the information flow that went up to the SECDEF. Um, and a lot of decisions get made about uh, what forces are going to be lined up against what missions. Well, when they left, uh, there was a bloodletting in the joint staff. And so there's no Marines of influence uh, in there anymore. J3, director, chairman, and, um, you know, I wonder where the Marine Corps stands in those uh, deployment orders now. So we don't have the inside influence in the joint staff, the secretary's office. I mean, I can't imagine uh, General Austin Secretary Austin, uh, you know, has got any Marine insiders there. So we don't have that in the near fight. And we're giving up a lot. And so we're not, you know, in the midterm, we've got nothing. And we're all betting it on the far battle. And uh, that is a very dicey, I, I would call that a gamble, right? That's a gamble. And you would know. So, yeah. How, I mean, when you talk about your occupancy of high-end joint staff positions, how important is that, Will? Um, in theory, it's irrelevant, right? Because when everyone goes to the joint world, they're pure joint warriors, non-parochial. Everything is for the benefit of the nation, et cetera. And on paper, I agree with all of that. Unfortunately, it's all done with human beings. And <clears throat> I won't speak for anyone else, but when I was on the joint staff, um, I really thought part of my job was to be looking out for the Marine Corps. Um, and I tried to make sure that uh, the Commandant's office was fully informed of things that might be relevant what the commandant might be interested in. Um, I, uh, I, would, I made sure that I could speak the Marine Corps language so that if you were in the meeting and decisions were being made, that the service uh, had its appropriate uh, representation. And, and I don't do that because I'm just, you know, parochial, everything in the Marine Corps is great. I actually think we're better at a whole lot of things than other people were. And let's make sure that the country takes advantage of that. Um, I don't think that I would ever advocate for the Marine Corps 
to do stuff just because stuff needed to be done. Um, but when you're there, you know, decisions, there's a, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a flow chart that shows you how the decisions get made. Well, the decisions actually get made at a very small group level. Uh, and so how that decision gets framed is really critical. And the decision is getting framed by the director of the joint staff, the J3, uh, for the most part, we're talking about deploying forces. Director of the joint staff, the J3, feeding into the chairman's office, which goes up to the sec def. Um, so the decision is, uh, uh, you know, the tank is all the service chiefs, everyone gets an equal vote. But how that decision gets framed up is done by three-star generals and their staffs. I think I never sat in there. I just sitting pretty close. That's how you would imagine it would go. And so not having someone who can advocate if there's a Marine Corps capability uh, that needs to be widely understood. And you would think, oh, these guys have been around forever. They understand everything. Don't kid yourself, all right? Particularly when you get a service chief like, oh, Admiral Mullen. <laughs> and we got two big ground combat wars going on, okay? I would say that he and his staff knew very little of the joint capability. So, yep. and don't forget, in the Pentagon, it's not all about the money. It's only about the money. <laughs> so My brain said, wait for it, wait for it, yeah, wait no for kidding. it. Well done, sir. Yeah, a famous man once told me, General Paxton, I will quote him on this. He says, I got two hands. One's on my wallet and one's on my pistol. And that's how I go in every meeting. <laughs> one hand on my wallet, one hand on my pistol. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see, you know, as we talked about, um, who writes next. Because somebody certainly will, and uh, will uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, the 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 defense the commandant puts out there. Because I think, to be honest, um, I, it 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 has not been impressive heretofore, and that is why you see people like General Van Riper, General Sheehan, now being public in their criticism. And so, I guess we, we'll it's, you know, it's interesting. It's interesting too, Mac, because. I remember at the dawn of all this stuff um, in the 80s, the first rapid deployment force, which later became CENTCOM, was General P.X. Kelly before he was commandant. And after him was General Hoare, H-O-A-R. And, uh, and then Goldwater Nichols came. And I wonder sometimes, because those Marines were, you know, because you go through the Rolodex of your mind about, you know, who was doing what when and when did this stuff first start and the stuff that Will lays out is basically a result of Goldwater Nichols, you know, the, the whole joint thing and all that stuff. And so, you know, you ask yourself, when did it happen and what was the result? Well, the what they point to as a result was the stunning, or to me it's not so stunning, victory in 1991 against uh, Saddam Hussein, which was a virtually bloodless victory over a biggest army in the Middle East at that time. So, you know, uh, but uh, it's like we got hundreds of, field grade officers and and uh, and other just hundreds of officers period doing things to just counter the other services not just up where will is saying but also in like in like uh you know our version of centcom which is uh marsent you know our version of 
Paycom, which is, you know, uh, or, or a, a, like a Viewcom, you know, which or Africom. You know, there's a there's a marine component that's there's a lot of guys, a lot of horsepower solely to counter the other services or to protect ourselves from the other services. Mm. In Desert Storm, what was the big controversy after that thing kicked off? Because the Army was going to do this big, huge, impressive loop, and the Marines just walked in and closed with and destroyed. Yeah. And uh, well ahead of what anybody anticipated would ever happen, uh, and we did it on the, on the ground. That's, uh, so, yeah, and you look at that. That's a good example of, uh, yeah. of divestment. Because oh. we had just recently divested ourselves of our self-propelled 175s and self-propelled 155s. And consequently, um, the, the speed at which you could displace your artillery support to move forward was an issue. Yeah. And so we, you know, there's a, you go back to the future, they're, they're relying on doubled up 81 platoons to be able to uh, displace and set up real fast to cover people going through, you remember that a lot was the made of the, uh, yeah. the breach, right? Going through the, the trenches of the fire trenches which never panned out and the and the use of uh you know chemical weapons that they thought was going to be used right there in that uh that thickly fortified area but uh yeah it's uh it's just interesting yeah. walk walk through the breach and threw off the timetable for the whole war because mm -hmm. nobody thought that we would close with and destroy him like that right. that's that was the old way um yeah. <clears throat> all right let's talk about ukraine um i i saw some very um, shitty stuff on the internet yesterday after that um, Russian ship got hit um, in 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 I can't remember what in, in the port on the Sea of Azov and the shitty stuff I saw was do you think it'll burn for five days in port, <laughs> in, in port? and I and I immediately like click delete right I don't I mean and then and then later on in the day I thought Fuck! I wonder if it will. I wonder yeah. if, if if it will burn for five days in port. Um, and so, uh, but I I will tell you this. First of all, uh, that pretty stunning, and it gives you a you know, Ukraine flexing its muscles. Evidently, they have anti ship ICBMs that they were waiting to use at some point, and uh, and and use that capability yesterday. You also continue to see. Um, more reports of local counterattacks uh, in, yeah. in not only the Kiev area, but the Kharkiv area that are being successful now. And so, again, we talked about that for a few days. Um, another thing, uh, when you talk about Russian casualties, um, that Russia is calling up reservists. Um, also, the Wagner Group is mobilizing, and they're bringing in what is loosely called mercenaries from other parts of the world to help shore up um, <clears throat> their forces. The New York Times, who we don't often talk about, did a piece where <clears throat> they have analysts that are listening to Russian um, in-the-clear communications on open tactical nets, and, mm -hmm. and they put these together. And it's uh, it's fascinating. I will put the link. Um, I will put the link in, and they kind of take you through this. I mean, it's all in Russian and whatnot, but it's fascinating. Um, operating in the clear, what they're saying about fuel, about logistics, and and whatnot. Um, 
so uh, so again, we see more of the same. Uh, NATO in action uh, yesterday in a big way. The president of the United States uh, in in Europe going to Poland today, um, <clears throat> and so we'll see what that brings. But um, but again, uh, that this narrative of the Ukrainian military stopping the Russian military, now going on a little bit of the counterattack to include, right, <clears throat> anti-ship ICBMs. I, I don't know if we're at the holy shit moment yet, but I don't think, again, I don't want to be overly optimistic because I am and I'm rooting for Ukraine, but I don't know how you, how you can't be there right yet. So I just... Your thoughts on what you've seen on on any facet of this over the course of the last twenty four hours, Jeff? Well, it makes me think that the way this was framed for most of the non attention paying public, of which I was one before this crane thing broke out, is uh, perhaps it's not such a it, it wasn't never a such a David and Goliath proposition as it presented to us, right. uh, and that the Ukrainians were had a lot more. You know, uh, ass in their britches than, uh, than than was originally put out. And then the other thing that uh, jumps out at me too is the uh, is what you're saying, the counterattack stuff. You know, that's um, um, I, I, and it, it, we kind of reference a little bit to the the interview with Ignatius that General Berger did, where he says, you know, kind of bears out our first our force design thing. Kind of made it sound like the the uh, Ukrainians were winning without tanks and stuff. But the truth is, they're using their stuff. They're just using it better than the Russians are. They're using tanks. They're using, uh, you know, they're using classic stuff. It's just that they're motivated and they're more tactically proficient, you know, than their than the enemy. And uh, and a lot of that is because. Uh, hey, the hey, Jeff. Let me let me ask you to comment on something. But so right. the Russian force, um, again, every unit will vary, but substantial right. amount of conscripts. And the Russian right. military has a certain way they treat conscript. And, and you've seen mm -hmm. some of it here, which is, yeah, we're just going to go on maneuvers. And they don't tell them shit, right? Um, mm -hmm. and, and the Ukrainian would, military would, I, I dare say, if you've read stuff written by some of the Green Berets that have trained with them and, and trained them, um, yeah. you know, more on, more on the Western model and, and knew that, but believed that this day was coming. Uh, yeah. comment, kind of comment on that. How much do you think that that style of of leadership, um, I mean, impacts what we see? I think it's huge. I think they trip over it because it, it, it results in a lack of trust among all your people who are actually doing the fighting. You know, basically, the captains and below don't trust their command. Um, I think it came out. Uh, I, what was it? That article you were referencing, but there was a a vignette in there about. Uh, Pravda come across open source and reported that they had the the uh, their casualty thing so far was nine thousand and change dead and uh, double digit thousands wounded and then it was immediately taken off and whatever the fuck you know deleted and all that shit. Did you hear that? Yeah. I mean that's so and, that's, and then they said then they said they got hacked and and whatnot. Yeah. So right, right, and so but to me it means that uh, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of pushback within the force, you know, maybe not against the war right now, probably by this time it's, it's resulted in that, but against the fact that they can't trust, you know, their, uh, their leadership, they don't trust their leadership and who can blame them? Yeah. Could you, I mean, when, again, that's, that's akin to, to, 
Yeah, that's akin yeah. to what the penal battalions of World War II yeah. that that they would, you know, of deserters or whatnot that would be sent through minefields and shit, right? Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, just that that mental attitude, like they're lying to us. They're going to feed us into this meat grinder, and we're going to die. Yeah. And so, and and, and yeah, and the, and the president, you know, he's out there wearing his gear and, you know, dressing in poly pro and getting on there and saying, "I'm hanging in here. I don't need a run." And yet, what do they hear from, uh, from uh, you know, from uh, um, uh, Putin? There's a there's a staged rally right. where people don't even know where they're going there, you know, are, are at, you know, and, uh, you know, they think there's a soccer game that's going to happen. Instead, it's this, and uh, and so all it takes is a couple of those to get out, and it ruins the whole, you know, whole propaganda effort. You know, you can't you can't lie to that many in today's day and age with the technology we have it's difficult to propagate a huge lie like that you know it's like there's an old saying you know three people can keep a secret if two of them are dead well you know did that come from the las vegas mafia museum that you're now the curator for or did you just i have (laughs) i have never been to the las vegas i i hope to be allowed to go someday but uh, i have not been there yet but you know what it is it's yeah, the guy who said that was uh, um, um, fuck one of those old time mob dudes who later got killed <laughs> by his own people. Sure. But yeah, <laughs> two people can three people can p- keep a secret if two of them are dead. Oh my god! Um, other thoughts, um, Will? Any thoughts on ships ablaze or or what we're seeing? Um, I I read uh, some expert excerpts and analysis of the uh, president's comments to NATO. He said if, I don't have the quote, but basically if Russia uses chemical weapons, NATO is going to retaliate. And uh, there you go. That, uh, again, um, non-NATO country, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. what the justification would be. I don't know what the retaliation would be. I, I think that one of the things that we used to do, you know, 40 years ago in the Cold War was was any crossing the line of WMD opened up all the WMD. And in theory, we didn't have chemical weapons to use in response, so we were gonna go nuclear on them. That's interesting. The second thing he said is, um, sanctions are not meant to deter <laughs> they're meant to punish. So a month ago, they were meant to deter. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now they're meant to punish. That is not a good message. It's not a good message to people in Russia that we're just punishing the average Russian out there. Um, because I think that says that now our war aim if we have one, is a removal of Putin. And it, it just, uh, it, it, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry. It, it gets us into this thing further than we need to be. And it, I just, uh, I don't, you know, I, I I saw an article I don't know in the last day or two that that I've been thinking about for a while is 
what do we really want to have happen and how do we get there and you know we 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 want and again a will withdraw. as a yeah. as a third party actor in all of this right yeah which is not Why? which calls for a deft hand and you're not going to govern it and and then the other thing i would say is that can't uh, sanctions can't they be they be, be hopefully they're a deterrent and then you know if they if they're not a deterrent then they become and but again what is your messaging should that be your messaging it's just yeah um what are you looking for in the next 24 hours and what are you reading jeff oh shit the next 24 hours in Ukraine? Yeah, what's uh, maybe not in 24 hours, but what's the next thing that you're, what are you paying attention to in Ukraine? I, and I and what, are you, get, what are you reading? I think we're going to get more, uh, more uh, granularity, as we used to say, regarding uh, the peace talk between uh, you know, the, the uh, Ukrainians and the Russians. And that, that's going to start, because uh, I, I don't think... Uh, Yelinsky there wants to keep this up. You know, he's losing a lot. He's, his civilian, their, their homeland's being devastated. They don't want that anymore. And then the Russians, the more this thing goes on, the worse they, lo they look. I don't mean the worse they look from a moral sense. I mean the stuff Tim was talking about. They look incompetent. I'm, I mean, I remember I, I looked a little bit back to the history of, uh, of uh, their adventure in Finland. They looked terrible. It just encouraged Hitler, you know, to do his uh, machinations on what became the Eastern Front. Uh, how incompetent and oafish they looked trying to uh, to deal with, uh, you know, their invasion of Finland. So this is even worse. This is even worse, you know. And so uh, I, I think uh, I think that's a, a big factor in uh, what's going to happen here in the future. The uh, as far as what I'm reading, that's what I'm reading about. You know, looking looking for stuff on that. I was reading about the. Uh, Russo-Finnish war, as it's called, you know, and, and how it shook out. And uh, the other thing is, uh, I think you're starting to see a lot of these former Soviet republics coming out in open defiance of uh, Russia now, you know. And I think you'll see a lot more of that, particularly, particularly places like, uh, you know, Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, um, some of the other, you know, that are on the periphery. Got it. Well, what, what are you reading? What are you reading? What's the next thing? Um, what's the next thing? I, you're, I think uh, the next thing of interest focused. is to see what the follow-up to the whole NATO meeting is. Um, you know, uh, the, one of the talking points is NATO has never been more united, blah, 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 blah. We'll see what all that means. Um, and, and what other moves in particular we make. Um, because I think the thing in Ukraine, the actual tactical situation is going to grind. Um, I don't think the Ukrainians are going to give up. Um, and it's not clear Putin's going to give up. And, uh, again, until there's sort of a ramp that gets him to a place that he can be satisfied with, uh, you know, I don't, uh, I don't see him changing course. It'd be it'd be really interesting to get a true picture of Russian public opinion right now. I just have no idea how to do it. Right. right. Uh, what am I reading? I'm reading a book 
called For the Freedom of Zion oh. by a guy named Guy McLean Rogers, R-O-G-E-R-S. It's about the, uh, the Jewish revolt against uh, the Romans in the year 66 and the destruction of the uh, temple in the old city of Jerusalem. That's Masada. Uh, That's the Masada war, yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, it's uh, it's a it's a very interesting book. It's not as well written as I would have liked. Um, the guy is a very good writer, but he's got like one particular primary source that he's using a lot, and it uh, it's a little bit herky jerky in the narrative, but. Uh, an interesting episode, and it's unfortunate I spent so much time in Israel before I was able to really read up right. and understand a lot of the things uh, that were there. It makes me sort of want to go back and re-see some of that sure. stuff. But, you know, uh, you know that's fascinating time in history, and uh, what's fascinating about it, and also our insight into the Roman uh, Empire at, directly after that, when Vespasian, who was a commanding general, during that war for the Romans took over as emperor is that the main chronicler of uh, that time is a guy named Josephus, who was one of the head uh, rebellion leaders during that war. And, um, and then he, he was about to be, the Roman custom was to march the uh, vanquished commander into the forum and then have him strangled in public and thrown off the Tarpian rocks. And right before he, they were going to do that to him, he said, oh, I see this thing where, you know, he basically talked his way out of it and became a Roman historian after that, when he was really a Palestinian Jewish uh, rebellion, rebel leader. Pretty interesting. Tim, uh, next thing in Ukraine, and what are you reading? You know, there was a, a movie came out last year called Mosul, an Iraqi movie, and it was a good good movie about yeah. a special police battalion who was fighting in Missoula. And I believe the genesis of that movie was an article by a Western reporter who spent some time embedded with that company. Cause I remember reading it when it was written, whenever the hell that was five, six years ago, I want to, I'm waiting for somebody like that. It doesn't look like uh, Andrew Milburn is going to be up in the front necessarily, but somebody that has his chops, and his perspective to report on exactly how the hell the Ukrainians are doing this, because I'm fascinated. I, I'm, I really, I'm, I really am. That to me is, is a story. This is gonna, they're gonna be at it for a long time, and it'll be interesting to get some, some, some good reporting about exactly how they're pulling this off tactically. Um, and, and that's what I, that's what I'd like to look for. I don't think we'll see it in the near future, but, but you know, I don't, I don't know. That's that, that to me is what's. I, I believe that the end, we can see how this is going to go. I don't think this stalemate, I don't, I don't know how long it lasts, but Putin isn't going to win and the Ukrainians are not going to give up. So it's just, a, it's just a matter of time before we start getting some decent reporting on that, that particular aspect. And, and what I'm reading, it was, last night I was sitting here looking at my bookshelf and I pulled out Tenazine. Um, by uh, George Pfeiffer. Did any of you guys read that? It's about Okinawa. Tenazan, the Battle of Okinawa and the Atomic Bomb. No. Which are, that yeah, was a that, long time ago. Good book. Yeah. Pfeiffer's the guy who wrote the book about Afghanistan, um, uh, The Great Gamble. 
But that's, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I remember reading this. I, I think we were all at TBS together when I read this thing. And I remember being very, very, uh, I remember it positively because it's one of the few books that I salvaged from my uh, my stint of, uh, of when I had to divest myself of most of my belongings. But I kept this one book and I just started it last night and I'm enjoying it already. I, I, I don't remember most about it, but I like how it's organized to include, you know, chapters like Close Combat, kamikazes the combatants i can't remember why i like this book so much but i think by the end of next week i'll be able to tell you Got and then it. i'll visit you and steal it <laughs> I, I, I gotta put my name in this that's right yeah. no, I, got the, I, do. I think I have, it, it, oh, I, it might be cheaper I stole it, from my dad. it might be cheaper just to buy it joe no it's, it's, no, it's got my dad's stamp on it i think i swiped this from him shit yeah. it. again putting your name in a book is no deterrent <laughs> that's right I just put from Will Cutts. <laughs> yeah, no. Too I'm just gonna mail. I'm a mail it. I'm a mail it to Jeffs just so I can say he's got one of my books in his library. There you go. I probably yeah. got a few of them. I'm not allowed to see my my library. Shit, it's mostly still in storage. Damn it. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm. I'm curious. Um, in Ukraine, I, 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 I want to see him smoke more ships. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, That'd honestly, nice. I mean that is a no. I mean, talk about a morale builder. I mean, you see all of a sudden, you know, in a very, very big way, our military strike back. Um, and I'm curious to, to watch the whole counterattack thing. Um, because I think you're getting, I don't know how long this, how, how long can this go, right? If, if, if the truth is somewhere, if, if, if the truth of the narrative is Russian casualties are much heavier than, than anticipated and reported. I, I can't give you a number figure with that to the point that um, Russia is mobilizing reservists. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anti-ship ICBMs. That's what I re that's what I registered. Eh? I and then yeah. yeah. ICBM intercontinental ballistic missiles. They're shooting. That's that's uh, that's what I read. I didn't give yeah, it, it's, it's obviously I, not the case. I didn't give it much thought, but that's what I read. Um, but again, so I'm interested in that. Um, um, and where is this tipping point, right? And and who does it tip for? I mean, so you hear, and you hear General Keene say that Russia will ultimately grind this out. And I have, you know, I'm he's one of the people that I, I think is one of the most informed people, but... I'm I'm watching those events and I'm looking at those extended supply lines and I know they're road bound and I know how easy it is to interdict that shit with anti tank mines. All you got, all you got to do is clog it up on the road and then you smoke the rest of that shit with AT with everything you've got, whatever everything from an AT four to a javelin to a to an M law. M law. I mean all of all and and whatever drones you can get. So I, the Russian proposition of sustainment is a very, very difficult one, right? And so um, the Ukrainian proposition of sustaining this thing as your cities are absolutely annihilated and your population just gets the shit beat out of it. So where is that tipping point? And, and does either side have any momentum in getting to it quicker than the other? So to me, the counterattack thing and the anti-ship missile thing is is an interesting part of this that i'm watching yeah it makes you wonder what would have happened if the poles held off the nazis for like 
another month, what would that have done to their perception, the perception of the world of the, uh, the Wehrmacht and everything? You know what I mean? And uh, right. Uh, right. You know, I, I guess we already went around, but but who is the credible uh, go-between that's truly trying to end this? I don't think anybody. Good question. Right. Good question. Israel. Israel. They've talked about the prime minister of Israel mm -hmm. uh, trying to maintain neutrality, but there's no one in NATO that appears to be attempting to put a hand out. And then think about within the U.S. government, it's not clear that anyone is beating the drums to find a solution. And that's... Yeah. That is, I mean, it's just not. So, are we going to fight this war to the last dead Ukrainian? You know, that what, would have who, been our position in the past, though. As yeah, long as we're I, not fighting, yeah. It just, and, and how much are we on the hook for of this thing? <laughs> um, you know, we're going. It was 14 billion, I think, in the last bill, and then there was another billion, and a billion dollars to the U.S. government. Look, that's budget dust, right? right? But so that's 15 billion in two weeks. That's a billion dollars a day. Before you know it, that's a third of a trillion dollars in a year. You're talking real money before you know yeah. it. Yeah, they do this for a couple of years. That's a trillion dollars, and then you got to rebuild the thing. It's, uh, you know, the whole world is in dollars and cents, although Mac knows that's how I think about the world. Um, but Well, when you're extremely but at some when point, you're extremely wealthy, it's, it's the way the world is framed. I mean, but at some point, who is, in whose interest is it to get this thing over with? And it's it's sort of bizarre, right, that you don't, Well, I don't know. Ukrainians interest, but you're right as far as who's their uh, who's their no shit trusted agent, and I don't know if there is one. Yeah, so that would seem to you know that just seems to drive it toward this thing is going to grind. But yeah, the only bad. ones the only ones who have a vested interest in seeing it get you know uh, appreciably mitigated, you know, and and uh, and agreed upon. Are the people who are the weakest? You know, the uh, Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, you know, all those uh, former Soviet republics that uh, probably quaking because they're like, I'm next. You know, after this, I, so. I would say that we have a significant interest in seeing this thing not escalate. Oh um, yeah, that should be our but, primary focus. Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't. Again, I don't hear that voice anywhere. Is it possible? Is it possible that like the president and the the, the White House kind of knows that this thing's going to be, you know, uh, negotiated in the next couple of weeks, and he wants to look as like as tough as he can now, so he so when it's over with, he can say it was, it was Joe Biden's, yeah. you know, uh, lack of uh, compromise with the with the nasty Boris, you know, uh, Putin who uh, who ended this thing. Hurrah. You know, you wonder if people are already just starting to look at how can we spin the outcome of this thing, which you're already pretty sure is going to get negotiated away in a few weeks. 
How can I you guarantee it? you that there are people obsessed with how they're going to spin the outcome of yeah, this thing. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. And and so when you start labeling the Russian uh, president a war criminal, that's 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 not framing. That's not getting off a good start as far as keeping your options open. It's kind of stupid. Well, that's him. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. I'll do it. Thank you, boy. You bet, brother. Have a good weekend. Yep. You too, man. That'll do it on a Friday. Thank you for listening all week, as a matter of fact. Um, I'm Mike McMurray. This is All Marine Radio. I will see you on Monday. Have a great weekend. I'm out.